on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. We continue our breakdown of OU's roster by looking at the interior defensive line in the National College Football Roundup. We discuss the new NCAA transfer rule and talk about the Big 12 eliminating their intra-conference transfer rule. To finish up, we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? My man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, April 15th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. Metro Ford of OKC's inventory is the best of the best. In fact, they own more Black Widows and more 2021 F-150s than anybody else. They're the only Roush and Rocky Ridge dealer in the state. You can find a ride at Metro Ford of OKC that you can't find anywhere else in Oklahoma. Just like their selection of vehicles is unmatched, so is their customer service. The Metro Ford of OKC Difference Program is included with the purchase of every new and pre-owned vehicle. It includes free oil changes for life, lifetime window tint, lifetime nitrogen fill for your tires, complimentary wheel locks, interior fabric protection, complimentary service loaners, a complimentary shuttle with service, and a complimentary multi-point inspection. Come feel the performance when you test drive a Roush or Raptor and come see why the difference is real at Metro Ford of OKC. Visit MetroFordOfOKC.com for more information or go to the dealership and tell them we sent you. Now recording this on Wednesday night. Please don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and let us know who you want us to try to get on the podcast. Ted, sounds like Porter Moser happening next week. That is the word on the street. That is that is what the email exchange seems to be pointing to. Get your coffee ready. There's going to be some energy booming out of that interview. That is going to be my first question for him. What's the caffeine intake like? <laughs> what, what, what are we working at? We also, on Monday's episode, we'll have Dane Brugler from The Athletic, who is their NFL draft analyst and he is absolutely fantastic so that'll be fun to have him on monday all right let's get to the ou football stuff right away ted and we're doing the interior defensive line on this episode but one thing before we break down those defensive linemen our buddy jason kersey from the athletic has a great article out about austin stogner and what he went through with that scary situation with his leg last year. You and I really couldn't talk about it that much. You know, we kind of hinted at some things, but didn't want to put our man Stogner's business out there. It was, it was good to see him be able to talk about it. And now everyone knows what he went through and oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that was a scary situation for Stogner. 
brutal, 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 brutal. And it just lets you know that, gosh, even something uh, mundane, just a normal injury under the right circumstances just can really blow up in your face. And that was one of those. I mean, that's a, I don't know, Gabe, uh, one in a million or maybe not that much, but, you know, we've seen a lot of injuries similar to that, but never seen one blow up and, and turn into that big of a situation. Yeah. Just really scary. Still trying to work his way back. So just being really patient with him, but yeah, some of the, some of the things he told Kersey just, dude was scared and I remember yep. hearing it for the first time and I was like wait what is he gonna lose his leg <laughs> like that was my reaction because the second I heard the word sepsis I was like wait hold on are they gonna have to cut it off so I mean it was it was wild and I'm, I'm just glad he's okay and let's hope he gets all the way back because that dude is damn good at football agree yeah I agree I'm glad he's I'm glad he's back and healthy and, and working his working his way back, but, and I don't know what, what holdover there is from that, but take it easy, buddy. Just, we already know where you're at. We don't need you to do anything in the spring. We sit this one out, ride, ride this spring out on the Gatorade cooler. Yeah. Take your sweet time, Austin Stogner. Okay. Let's talk some interior defensive line, Ted. And I just want to warn people. If we don't talk about someone on the defensive line, and you're like, wait, why haven't they talked about Isaiah Thomas? Well, it's probably because we included a few of those guys in our defensive ends slash ed guy, edge guys breakdown. You can go back and listen to that. So don't freak out if one of the defensive linemen isn't on here. They're on one of the other episodes. So listen to this one and then go back and listen to the other one. But I was told that the defensive line is absolutely kicking the offensive line's ass in spring ball. I've been told that by coaches on the defensive side. I've been told that by the co coaches on the offensive side. And they said Tuesday practice may have been the worst out of all of them. Like the defensive line is just getting after it, Ted. It makes me sad hearing that, but I know it makes you happy. Oh, I just absolutely love it. Which I will tell you, you know, there does seem to be a little bit of a maybe changing of the guard of, you know, because there's always like big brother, little brother, whenever it comes to offense and defense, who's wearing the pants around the, the program. And I, it, it's like, uh, you better it's like not a say it. You better not dogs right now trying to figure out they're fighting and scrapping, see who the alpha is. We're going to figure this thing out maybe this spring, but no, I, I think the defensive line is maybe as deep as I can ever remember. You know, do they have a first round top 15 player on this squad? I don't think so as of right now, but from top to bottom, there's there's eight guys that you could rotate through and you feel like there's not any fall off between your best and, and your number eight guy. It's it's crazy. So the number one guy is Perrion Winfrey. He has leaned out. He is down to a sleek 290 pounds. 
And that's good because I felt like he had two main issues last season, Teddy, that really held him back. And it, number one was his conditioning. I didn't think he was in great shape. And then the other one was his technique. There's no doubt this is a big physical guy. And from what I've been told about him in spring ball, he has continued to be very, very disruptive in the backfield. And he's starting to get a little better technique, starting Whoa, to use what? the hands a little bit. But I, I like what I hear about Perry on Winfrey. He's healthy. He's making plays. It sounds like he's really progressing, which they need him to. Yeah. No, he's a total disruptor. And he played the role of disruptor last year. And a lot of the things that he did, it just doesn't show up in the stat sheet, right? You blow up a play and uh, you knock out a couple of pulling guards or chew up a, a back in the backfield, a lead blocker, and someone else ends up cleaning it up for the tackle for loss. And it looks like, well, you didn't do anything this game. And it's just not true. The game against Iowa State in the Big 12 championship, he was wrecking shop in that game. So whenever we've said this from day one. Whenever he goes, he goes. But then he would disappear for, you know, long periods of time. And that's the conditioning, I think, that you're talking about. So just needs to be more consistent. Uh, the technique, it's good to hear that he's playing with some better technique because, quite frankly, with, with his quick twitch and his, the aggressive, violent nature that he plays with, if he can back that up with technique, he's one of those guys that you just can't block. So – um, it's good to hear that Perry on Winfrey is progressing, not just kind of riding off of what he did a year ago that he feels like he can make some big strides. And I think he can, if, if he can keep it together, be consistent, have a, a good, strong year. It's another guy that's going to be knocking on the door, um, you know, late first round, early second round, if he can put it all together. I'm, that's a big if, but physically he's going to check all the boxes yeah and i think he, he put a lot of hard work in because i've been told it's a trim 290 he's look he's making it look good so i like that now don't get too light Perion. don't get too light you every pound you lose you better make up for it in power man because there's very got few power, guys there's no doubt yeah there's there's very few guys that and it could be done, but there's not a whole lot of D tackles in the NFL under that that 290 mark. Aaron Donald is one of them. But oh, we'll talk about we'll talk oh, yeah. about Mr. Donald later in winners oh, yeah. and losers. Well, that's what I'm saying. He's he's pretty aggressive and has some power behind him. If you know what I'm saying, <laughs> ask that guy's face. <laughs> okay, speaking of power, Jalen Redman, great to have him back. Right, it's just great that he's back on the practice field, up to 284 pounds. No, a big deal was made out of that when the roster came out in the spring. And it, it kind of sounds to me, Ted, from the discussions I've had, they are going to move him around a lot. They're going to use him similarly to the way they used Isaiah Thomas last year, where they can move him all across the defensive line. And I've been told that at – Every position they put this kid, he flashes. I mean, he's just he just has so much raw power 
and explosiveness, you, you just can't really teach that. And I know we was away from the game for a while, but they're really excited about what he's going to bring to this defensive line. And I, I think he does fill kind of a hole, hole that was left with Ronnie Perkins, like another extremely disruptive guy. And it sounds like Jalen Redmond can be that. Yeah, I, I think Jalen is interesting. He has spent a ton of time away. And you know, so this, this staff really, there's, there's nothing really there to go off of. This is kind of the first that they're going to, to really see him play any extended time. And um, it's up to him to really show out. And it sounds like he's had some good practices. I just I wonder, I wonder how much we're going to see him in the rotation. I I, just, I feel like he's starting from, it's it's way different than whatever he first like really kind of stepped away from the program where he was the guy and it's like come on we got to have you back. I mean you're going to be the game changer. Now it's like they're so deep. I I don't know. I mean he I I think he's going to get on the field as a rotational guy, but. As of right now, I think he's I think he's going to end up down the down the line a little bit and going to be fighting to try and get in there and 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 get some some critical snaps. He's not going to be playing in front of, of Winfrey, um, you know, at the edge. If they're moving him around, that means that he's kind of their second best option at some of those spots. Is kind of how I would look at that. But I don't know. I he's our defensive line and the way they play them. There's a learning curve there, and I think it's going to take him a bit to fully get up to speed and grasp all of that. But the athleticism, the power, all of those things are there. It's just a matter of if can he be trusted and can he be consistent. Yeah, he's got to find that consistency. I mean, that's that's really the most important thing for him, and not only consistency when he's out there, but let's be real, he's just got to stay healthy, right? He had the had the blood clot issue, then, you know, opted out. So it's it's something where we know he's got all the talent in the world, but at some point it's about can the coaches trust you on the field? And the kid's got talent. There's no, there's no doubt. Okay, Josh Ellison. It sounds like this kid has had a fantastic spring. Everyone we've talked to mentions this kid. I mean, just making plays and making life miserable for interior offensive linemen during spring ball. Sounds like he has really improved and is going to be a guy that plays a lot more snaps this season. He was kind of third-ish string last year. This is a guy that it, it sounds like he is going to be competing to be a starter. Yep. Who looks good? Ellison. Who looked good out there this week? Ellison. 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 He's he's playing his tail off, uh, which is great. He's had a couple of flashes here and there whenever he was out there on the field. He was productive, but just didn't get a whole lot of snaps. He's going to get them now uh, because that's continued through the spring. Uh, he runs really well. I love the way he goes sideline to sideline. Um you know, he, he kind of reminds me a bit of uh, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, obviously, he's going to be playing on the interior, but uh, the way he moves, the way he, he's aggressive, the way he can run plays down, 
I really like him. I'm excited. I, you know, I, I can't remember the last time we've had five, six, however many guys to talk about in the interior of the defensive line. And the fact that Ellison is one of those guys that's improved, you know, in a, a massive way from last year, it has to still a phrase it's clicked. Okay. The light switch has come on whatever phrase you want to use, throw it in here and you can really throw it in here for a bunch of different defensive linemen because it's working and the techniques, the, the uh, philosophy they bought in and it's paying off and it's, it looks fantastic out there. And Ellison's one of the guys leading the charge. Yeah. It sounds like one of the other guys who has had it click for them is Jordan Kelly. Um, once again, comes up a lot in these conversations. They feel like he's going to play a lot more snaps than he did last season. Certainly going to factor significantly in the rotation. And they, they feel like he's his talent is just really starting to show, Ted. And this is a the guy that, I mean, it's a guy that's got the size. So once the talent starts showing, that's that's when you start getting excited by a guy, by a guy like Jordan Kelly. Well, I've talked about this a lot with the defense, really every position group, the level of like the base level of play from your average guys or even your lower tier guys is so much higher than it has been in recent years that new guys in the room that just show up, elevate to that baseline level really quickly and the guys that have just kind of been hovering around and floating around aren't able to do that anymore. You have to be all in in, able, in order to get on the field at all. And whenever that's how you have to play, all of a sudden you find guys that, well, dang, whenever he shows up and he's all in every single day, the dude can flat out play. And they get used to playing that way. And I think that's what you're seeing from Jordan Kelly. Again, Ellison and Kelly, the name pops up for both of these guys anytime you you ask how how anyone's looking out there every single time every time and a couple other guys that you know I think are still in the rotation but just seem to be a little limited athletically but uh, I think these are guys that will be solid depth pieces that's Corey Roberson and LaRon Stokes and you can never have too many guys that you feel comfortable putting out there on the field, but with these two in particular, they're a little limited, right? They don't run as well as some of these other guys. So if you have to put them out there, you're fine with that. But if this defense wants to be a top 10 defense, it's probably best if guys like that get passed up by other guys. I mean, I, I know that sounds harsh, but that's just the reality. No, it is. Um, it, it, it is. But I, I'll say this too, though, that what you get with, with Roberson and, and the way he's played, he played, I thought he played good snaps for him last year, and I think he'll continue to do that. Um, maybe doesn't have the ceiling necessarily of some of the other guys, but He's a good college football player. He's a good player at Oklahoma. He's a guy that you can put in there and be counted on, and it's not a panic if you're not able to sub 
someone in and get another body out there. He's, he's a guy that can do the job and do what they ask and, and do it with some good strength and athleticism. So um, I, I, he's kind of the guy that I'm talking about. Your baseline player is so much better than, than what it was just, you know, one, two years ago that, you know, we're talking about guys like Corey Roberson, who I think is a, a, a good defensive lineman in the Big 12 is one of the guys that's going to be further down the list. I mean, it's just a great problem to have that we've gotten so talented and so consistent and strong in that group that, you know, finally we expect huge things from the group as a whole, not just a one, one guy, because we went through that for several years with this defense. It was striker and then it was oboe. And then, you know, it's just kind of a, there was one guy on the defensive line that was you expected to have a good year and then you just hang on for your butt everywhere else. And now I fully expect whenever we start off a drive, everyone's fresh, everyone's healthy. Our four defensive linemen, Benito, Isaiah Thomas, um, Winfrey, and whoever's in there with him, if it's Jordan Kelly, if it's Ellison, those four guys are going to be the best four that we've marched out there in I don't know, Gabe, a decade or more. Yeah. Uh, a couple other guys that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, first, Isaiah Coe. So he was hurt the first half of spring ball. And I, I think the scrimmage last weekend really may have been his first full speed work of the entire spring. Now, some of the coaches like what they've seen so far in the limited reps they've seen from him look strong, moves decently well. Just they're really not sure what they have with Isaiah Coe right now because of the limited action, Ted. So it, it's kind of a to-be-determined on the JUCO transfer. Yeah, well, that's to be expected. It was going to be a rough spring anyways, right, with the, the level of talent ahead of him and – we've hit this a million times, but what we ask of our defensive line is a little bit more involved than most other places. So there's maybe more of a learning curve there instead of just lining up as a three technique and blowing off the football. So it was going to be one of those type of springs for him anyways, as long as he's healthy, ready to go, has a good, good productive summer and could get into training camp with a, a solid baseline knowledge, then I think he's just going to be a guy that could possibly add to the rotation. Yeah, and then last guy, Marcus Hicks. Really good to see him back out there healthy, right? Achilles injury is never something fun to come back from. But sounds like he's moving decently out there. But, Teddy, I got a question for you. Where do tall defensive tackles that aren't super athletic end up? Hmm. You, are you suggesting that maybe they're better going backwards than forwards? I, I am I'm suggesting that there there is a position that is known as the last stop by football coaches. And yeah. I am suggesting that Marcus Hicks may be better going backward than going forward. I think he should move to offensive line. From some of yeah. the stuff I'm hearing and just kind of how he's built, I think that should be something that he considers. I 
played with a tall defensive lineman that was a little bit limited athletically that moved to offensive line, and it went really well for the guy. I think he was an NFL All-Pro, Jamal Brown. So, yeah. Now, I'm not saying that necessarily that's what Marcus Hicks is going to do, but, you know, I, I kind of like where you're going with that. I think it would be, I think it'd be a smart decision for him. That's all. That's all I'm saying. It's from some of the things that you and I have both heard. I think you should give it a shot. Why not? Why not? Okay. Hey, uh, tackle offensive line, offensive tackle at Oklahoma's got a pretty good track record right now. It's way easier than getting double teamed at defensive tackle. <laughs> I can tell you that. Okay, our call your shot question was just you know make some. Uh, Make some predictions about the interior defensive linemen, and we got a couple really good ones. This one comes from Jeremy Chapman on Twitter, who says, at worst or best, Winfrey murders someone on the field. At the very least, he embarrasses someone so bad that they quit football after the game. This interior D-line should be dominating. That's, uh, that's pretty interesting from our man Jeremy. Yeah, and if I had to handpick a guy off of the defense where that could be the case, it probably would be Winfrey. Probably yeah. so. He's got uh, maybe more than one screw loose, that guy. <laughs> Which is exactly what we want. That is I, – I want my defensive lineman crazy. Absolutely. You, uh, one other one. just got to be able to tighten that screw up at – it's got to be adjustable. It can't be permanently loose. Uh, you got to tighten it up away from the facility, <laughs> away right. from the facility. And then when you get on the field, then you loosen it back up, but away from the facility, let's keep that thing tight. Carry on Aaron Varner six on Twitter at Aaron Varner six said Winfrey Thomas and Redmond ball out. Winfrey becomes a surefire first round pick. Thomas and Redmond become early day two picks. They dominate. So does the rest of the defense. Oh my gosh. How about this? Aaron Varner six. Also, Winfrey does what Quinnen Williams did while he was at Bama. Whoa. Okay. Aaron, that's Quinnen Williams dominated college football that year. Yeah. I. He was just a few rungs below what our boy Sue did at Nebraska. I'm not sure. Do, I don't think Perry on Winfrey can be that dominant. I mean, Quinn Williams was. Who was the? Was it Samia that he flat back in that was game? All of them. <laughs> was every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, he was. He's amazing. But hey, I like I like where your head's at. Um, I don't know if we're gonna have that many high picks out of there, but I I do believe that if Perion Winfrey can can be consistent and do the things that he's coached to do, um, can you know be a really good teammate on and off the field, handle his business, that he could be a guy that like I said, is, is sniffing around the late first round, but he's got to show that he can do that stuff for the flashes we've seen. He's got to be able to do that for an entire season. Just have to, that's what a first round deep, uh, defensive tackle does. 
consistently at that level for an entire season. Mm-hmm. It's what he's got to do if he wants to be a first rounder. Okay, Ted, let's move move on to the National College Football Roundup. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solution for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And guys, spring is here and you know what that means. It's hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Ale Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will and Wiley. You're drinking some because of us. Tag them. Let them know. Okay, couple of big things that happened this week when it comes to college athletics. The NCAA Division I Council approved a one-time transfer rule for athletes in all sports. So all college athletes, including football and basketball players, will be able to transfer once and be immediately eligible. Teddy, we knew this was coming. And it is finally here. Yes. To some degree, it is finally here. Oh, Uh, what do you mean? Do you mean (laughs) that the way this has been phrased and presented publicly may be a little misleading? Yeah. It, everything has changed except for the things that stayed the same. You know, it's, it's one of those things. Um, Hey, I think this is good. I think it's obviously a step in the proper direction as as long as schools don't hold it over players' heads, hold the release, and turn that into, uh, I don't want to say weapon, but it, it really, your eligibility is still going to be in your previous university's hands to some, or in uh, a lot of cases, a large degree. So some things have changed, but others have really not changed at all. So if any of you are confused, what Teddy means is that they are making football and basketball like all the other sports, right? So all the other sports in the NCAA, they can already do this. And as the rule is written currently, football players and basketball players that transfer will have to get a release from their previous school to be immediately eligible to play that next season. So that's where when people phrase it as, hey, it's a one-time transfer rule where athletes become immediately eligible, not so fast. I mean, because, and it's happened before. 
right? There's all kinds of articles. I know it's happened in softball. It's happened in volleyball where a previous school says, nope, we're not granting you the release. So what we're saying is it's not a free-for-all, right? This this new rule doesn't make it free agency, whatever you want to call it. Now, I wonder if they address that piece of the current rule. I don't know if they will, but the, the, the important thing is now a basketball player, a football player can transfer to another school and they will not lose a year of eligibility, right? But they're not necessarily just free to play because their previous school can technically prevent them from playing immediately. Yeah, so it all depends on, I guess, how those schools want to treat it, how they they want to handle the public perception. I mean, right now, everything kind of is in the players' uh, favor as far as um, public opinion right now. That may change at some point, but I doubt it. So you can stick to some of those um, rules and powers that you have, but you risk taking a hit publicly um, with backlash. It's just, it's something that those teams on a, uh, it shouldn't be a case by case basis. It should either be as a university, this is how we're going to approach it. Um, Either we're allowing everyone or we're not allowing everyone. It shouldn't be a, depending on the player's skill level and if he's going to be playing against you. But I fear that's going to be how it'll be used. Right. I, And I really wouldn't blame coaches if you know, one of your star players was to transfer and you happen to be playing them the next year. I, I, I just wonder what the backlash would be if a university decided, hey, we're not granting releases for players if you transfer in the conference, right? Like that, that is the policy. We're, n- we're not doing it. I wonder like what, what negatives could come from that? Like some people are like, well, it'd be used against them in recruiting. I mean, would it really them saying, Hey, if you no transfer one- out of here, like, Sorry, yeah. like as a I, recruit, you don't envision yourself transferring. You don't envision yourself you sucking usually. Well, here's and the it, thing, and th- this is what I think is fascinating about kind of Oklahoma's situation right now, and the Big Twelve, and whether or not you can transfer, have to give a release, and all that. I think Oklahoma is the one school, especially in football that stands to benefit the most from free in-conference transfers because you typically don't have um, your great players transfer away if you're a school like Oklahoma. C.D. Lamb's not going to transfer away. Spencer Rattler's not going to say, I want to go play for some other coach. It's you're your down roster guys for the most part if you're Oklahoma. But if you're a Kansas, 
or a uh, a tech or a TCU, I could see a wide receiver that is a fantastic player that doesn't play for a quarterback or a system that gets him any play saying, I wouldn't mind going to Oklahoma and, and see what I could do in that system there. So I think they're the, the team that stands to benefit from it if it is one of those fully open systems. Yeah, so the the rule they established that the NCAA Division I Council established is the athletes in fallen winter sports will have to notify their schools that they intend to transfer by May 1st. And Ted, that uh, that date makes a lot of sense, especially in the football world, yeah. right? Uh, from a football perspective, May 1st, you've wrapped up spring ball, right? Spring ball usually is done in mid or late April. It's before summer workouts, which most places start around June 1st. So players should have a decent idea of where they stand. And the, the rule is clearly player friendly, but I feel like this is a good deadline that is fair enough to coaches and I also think this this gives coaches an opportunity when May 1st is approaching and they've wrapped up spring ball for them to go to some of the players and be like, hey, man, I think it'd be a good idea for you to get out of here. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, it's important to be honest with those guys. So I I think that that May 1st date as the deadline for the fall and winter sports athletes to notify them that they're transferring. I thought that made a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, it's always tough because especially whenever guys kind of transfer right after the season, because you've already had signing day and like the scholarship allotment, you know, it, you have to leave scholarships open in order to bring transfer guys in you, if you take up your full 25 allotment, you can't bring in extra transfers and offer new scholarships. So that makes it pretty difficult. But whenever you're talking about the May one situation, after you've been kind of settled, you've seen some early arrival guys. I think that's, I think that makes it a little bit easier on coaches, but as we know, guys are still going to want to get out right after the season. So they can get spring ball in at their new place. Yeah. The spring sports notification date will be July 1st, and both of those notification dates, the the May 1st and July 1st, those don't start until 2022. For this year, all NCAA athletes will have to notify their school they are transferring by July 1st. So that could be an interesting – that's almost like a new like de-signing day. This right. year. Can't wait. That's it's almost like fun. the trade deadline, kind of. Exactly. You know? <laughs> July 1st. Could be all kinds of fun. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, Ted, but the Big 12 has eliminated their intra-conference transfer rule, which, once again, intra-conference transfer is way too big for me. So people can transfer from a Big 12 school to another Big 12 school. That's within the conference. So, But with the new, new NCAA rule, that means they can go from one Big 12 school to another not, without having to sit out. But as the rule is written currently, 
you have to get a release from your previous school. So when this came out, all anyone wants to know, Ted, will Lincoln Riley release Chandler Morris? That's all anyone wants to talk about. No. He's already said that. Okay, well. It's already been established. He said that this is one of their principles. As a university, as an athletic department, we heard Patty Gasso say the same thing and back that up recently. So off of that, I would say, no, he doesn't grant the release unless his principles are only for show. I I would kind of love it if he dug his heels in on it just because it'd be extremely entertaining for us. But I don't know because if that's the way that Joe Castiglione and the leadership at OU feel like you got to stick to it, right? You got to stick to it. If you don't stick to it, then they have said that they do not think it is good for college athletics. Do not think it's good for football. Do not think it's good for college athletics. So if you just make a big show of it, you hold it up for a little while, ultimately to only grant the release later, then everyone's going to, if you want to transfer in conference, you're going to do it and be like, well, they'll, they'll cave at some point and give me my release whenever um, the pressure really digs in. So I would say based off of the comments that I've heard the athletic department say, I would say, no, they do not give the release. So that leads me to this question. If they don't give Chandler Morris his release and they kind of establish that as their stance. If some stud from Baylor or Texas or wherever within the conference wants to come to OU, then what do they do? Because if Chandler Morris is released. <laughs> exactly. It's like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like is, you know what I'm saying? Because if no, you, if you can really fill a hole, on your roster with a guy within the conference, like you're saying, OU may be able to benefit from this rule more than anyone. Like are all these big 12 teams just going to say, Hey, no one's granting releases. Like, Hey, here's a blood pack for all of us. Like, I I don't know, but the rule Tennessee, For example, you know, we were supposed to play Tennessee in the non-conference last year. If we were playing Tennessee in the non-conference this year, would they still have been okay accepting three transfers from Tennessee? Because that's really no different. It's the exact same thing. So I don't know. Uh, here's, here's, I don't know what they're going to do. I'll tell you my personal belief. I don't care. I think it's the most overstated thing ever that some kid is going to take all your secrets down to TCU and all of a sudden they're going to be able to beat you. Because he knows that spies, Teddy. They're spies. It's. I mean, don't you agree that that's ridiculous? Everything that you do is already on film, anyways. Right. The full playbook's out there. It's on tape. Right. I. I, I don't know. I. I think it's weird. I just think if you take that stance, you limit the amount of talent you can accumulate on your roster. Because, like you said, if Brees Hall decided, hey, you know what? Playing for OU sounds pretty good. 
yeah, I, I, I want him to come to Norman. Like, let's roll. All right. That's what I was saying is, you know, if, if the Big 12 does make the vote and totally rule out that you can't even hold it back, you can't hold back the release, I think Oklahoma is the team that stands to benefit the most right. from that. I just wonder. I just wonder. There's a lot to think about pro Lincoln Riley. A lot to think about it. Okay. Which, you, every situation is a little bit different, though. So you do leave yourself some wiggle room. You know, it's like, well, you know. This we is different. Were, He's a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, and come we on. were thin at the position, so it, it makes sense. Let's not be ridiculous. Okay, let's move on to our winners and losers of the week. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A. Dot com. And make sure you connect with our friends at Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right. Okay, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the week? I thought about going with Florida State, who uh, just unveiled the plans for their new $100 million football facility. Uh, And I say they're the winner because get that thing built, get it started now because I have a feeling that the the arms race for college football facilities is about to end, okay, with all the money that they're spending on these things and the coaches' contracts and the national uh, or the name, image, and likeness stuff that's coming up. I think that the pressure is going to be difficult to continue to spend this amount of money on football facilities, so kudos to them for getting it in. I couldn't believe they didn't already have a football-only facility. That was unbelievable to me. Yeah. What did I see? 150,000 square feet. Huge. They looked pretty cool. The mock-ups looked nice. Um, But I settled on Brady Manick, a Scully offer to North Carolina. How about that? Pretty impressive. That... That's significant, and also uh-huh. it. This is sometimes my brain works in really weird ways. Is it weird that I immediately thought that? I don't. I just can't imagine him in powder blue. It just. I don't know if it would look good with the skin tone. I know. Well, I just. I wash I him out a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't. It, 
I don't know that that's where he's going to go. I and this is me just a pure guess, but I feel like Manic wants a a place where maybe there's a little less pressure, where maybe there's a little less spotlight, where maybe he can shine a little bit. If he goes to North Carolina and he could play great there, but he could also end up being down the bench and not getting out on the floor. Um, so I don't know. I just, I thought that was interesting and, you know, they are typically going after a, a kind of a higher caliber of athlete. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, I think I figured it out. So when you mentioned it, I was like, okay, well maybe he just wants all the Jordan gear in a different color. Right. <laughs> right. And that's cool. And then I started thinking of what Brady Manick would look like in a Carolina blue Jersey. And I, I think I've discovered why he's doing it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is Larry bird in a powder blue Indiana state Jersey. Is that, is he just one of, he just wants to cosplay as Larry Bird? Is that what, is that what is happening He's, here, Ted? It's something that I felt like he really latched onto. So maybe so. Maybe he just hasn't gotten that letter back from Indiana State yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's where we're headed for. All that is going to be, if he could throw some volume into his hair, you know, it lays pretty flat. You know, one of those rotating brushes that you, the kind of motorized brush, that's what he needs with the hair dryer. Throw some, some volume curlers. in hair and he's there. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I thought that was Manic big best. though for him, man. That's a, yeah, hell yeah. When you're like, he wants to go somewhere, you know, a little low profile, a little less pressure. I was like, in my head, I was like, North Carolina is not the place. My no. God. No, 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 no. Some, uh, some high expectations. They're in Chapel Hill. Okay, who do you have as your loser of the week? Okay, this is going to seem weird, but 247 Sports came out with their list of who they think the top 25 quarterbacks in college football are going to be next year. And their number one quarterback was Spencer Rattler. And the reason I, I say he's the loser there is when you're at the number one spot, I feel like it, every, it's easier to be knocked down. If you're number two, you're number three, I think it's easier to maybe have a mistake or two and not be kind of chopped off that pedestal. That's like rarely it seems like does the Heisman favorite going into a season end up winning the Heisman. I think Baker probably was, but – it's it's something that is is because he was a finalist the year before. It seems rare, so I I always think it's better to come from the pack a little bit. So that's why I said that he was the loser. You cannot be chip scared. on the shoulder. You cannot be scared of high expectations. You just embrace can't. It. You can't. I mean, you got to embrace it. That's I, I think the complete opposite of you. Yes. Predict him to win the Heisman. Let's go. Let's stop playing around. So don't worry Boost about my it, man's ego. Give him all the confidence in the world. Harness in the good energy, block out the bad. Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. <laughs> that guy is. <laughs> Psycho. But, no, I know what you mean. 
and it is it is one of those things where you probably want him to have a chip on his shoulder, like see the list, you know, quote tweet it out and be like, Oh, I'm only number four. Okay. Like, but I mean, it is what it is. I mean, last year, there's no way that Trevor Lawrence doesn't win the Heisman. Are you kidding me? I don't even know why we have to wait till the end of the season to have the ceremony. Doesn't win it goes to a wide receiver. So I don't know. I, I don't disagree with the ranking necessarily but um i just think that it'd be good for him to come from the back but maybe he's a front runner baby and likes that pressure i like it embrace the inner front runner all right but front runner's kind of it's got negative connotation to it yeah what's like he's a front runner like he's the front runner but not a front runner right um i don't know what you may be right what would i call a guy who it, whenever he's the leader, whenever he's out in front, it has a ton of confidence behind him is whenever he's at his best. Should I just call him a uh, – he's a Steve Prefontaine? He's a gamer. I, a gamer. The, the person you're describing, I just – those are the guys that I call dudes. He's dude. a dude, man. All right. He is a dude. Like it. He needs to be a dude this year. Gosh, I, I really hope. I really hope they're as good as we think they're going to be. It's only April, and we're we all sitting like here like idiots next year. We could, we could look like absolute morons. I hope we don't. Well, Come hey, on, I'll Sooners. tell you though, I, th- I think they're going to be great. I think they have as good a chance to win a national championship as they've had in a while, and I don't feel very good about them beating Iowa State two times. How about that? You know, yeah. I mean, that's how good Iowa State's going to be. Neither does what do you see? I and I don't buy into the FPI, ESPN's FPI, like those rankings, but they had OU at two and Iowa State at four. They had uh, seven know, Big 12 teams in the top 25 of the FPI. Seven. I saw that. I, I think Iowa State is, I don't think the, the year after next, I don't think they're going to be any good. But next year, with the amount of guys that they have on that team that have played such good football for them for so long, I think they're going to be just fantastic. If their offensive line can step up their game a little bit, they're going to be really, really good. Yeah. Speaking of really good, Riverwind. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience. There are temperature screenings at all entrances and masks are required for all patrons and employees because your safety is Riverwind's number one priority. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in April, from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $100,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's Baskets and Cash promotion. Let's go. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, simply the one. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School, Teddy. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis' students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. 
With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, there there was a lot happening this week. I I had to I had to whittle down the winners and losers. Lots of honorable mentions for me, Ted, but I for my winner of the week thought about going with Lou Dort. Dropped a 42 piece, Woo. gave it to the Jazz offensive clinic, guarded Donovan Mitchell essentially the entire game. But then I saw that Jadavian Clowney signed with the Browns. And I was like, damn, maybe Miles Garrett is my winner of the week because now I'm not sure Clowney is the same player he was a couple years ago, but with them having Clowney, that could at some times draw some attention away from Miles Garrett, maybe get some more one-on-ones and maybe his life gets a little easier. By the way, I love that Clowney is basically a one-year mercenary and signing those big deals that are, almost fully guaranteed to play one season. I think that's awesome. Yeah. What was it? One year for 13 million last yeah. year. And I think this is one's one 10. year for 10. Yep. Must be nice. Uh, I also thought about going with Boston college because they signed a 10 year agreement with new balance and listen, I know, I know what a lot of you are thinking. New balance is a Boston company though. So little local flavor for them. And we all can admit New Balance's stuff is comfortable as hell. It is comfortable. And they've actually kind of a New Balance renaissance. So you know what? Y'all leave New Balance alone. But my winner of the week is DeVincent Spriggs. Huh. Who is DeVincent Spriggs? You may wonder. Well, he's the guy that Aaron Donald and his buddies allegedly beat the shit out of last weekend in Pittsburgh. Spriggs' version of the story is that he accidentally bumped into Aaron Donald in the late night club and Donald and his boys quickly after jumped him, resulting in a broken orbital bone, a broken nose, and possibly a broken arm. I was confused. They were like, it may be sprained or broken. Like, how do we not know? But okay, whatever. But that sucks. Getting beat up, not fun. But he's my winner of the week because, Teddy, he is about to be rich. He is going to be so rich from this. I, I'm sure. And what? once again, innocent until proven guilty for our man, Aaron Donald. But I'm sure that this will be a situation where it gets settled out of court. And I, I don't think Aaron Donald is going to want to drag this out if he is guilty of assaulting this man. Donald's rookie deal, I believe, was north of $10 million. Uh, He is currently in the middle of a six-year $135 million deal. He is very rich. He will be less rich after this gets settled. And congratulations to Vincent Spriggs. You may have gotten your ass beat, but it's going to be worth a lot of money. If I was Aaron Donald, I'd do everything I could to get this case because he, there's no way he can get a fair trial in Pittsburgh. I'd have the case moved to Cleveland County, Oklahoma, where it will be ruled by the district attorney that 
it looked like DeVincent Spriggs entered into mutual combat, uh, you know, just like our guy did there at Logie's, right? Mutual combat. Mutual. <laughs> mutual combat. Which, you know, here's the thing. I'm sure Spriggs' version of events isn't totally true. I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I hardly believe he accidentally bumped into Aaron Donald and that's what happened. Okay. There's got to be more to the story than that. Not saying that justifies it. Aaron Donald's still going to get hammered on this deal for assaulting the guy and it's going to cost him big bucks. But let's be honest, something else happened other than, Oh, Whoops, it's crowded in here. I accidentally bumped into you. Clam! No, I don't think so. Death to I'm your not face. That. <laughs> yes, so Aaron Donald is not the biggest guy in the world when you see him just in person. Like It's not like he's a towering like 6'5 guy or anything. Now, depending on how tight the shirt is that he's wearing, like he obviously is well, a guy that... After Hours Club in Pittsburgh, I'm sure he was uh, slipping into that. Well, for him, it was probably a 2X, but I'm sure it was pretty tight that night. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll assume that you could see the muscular, the muscularity. Is that a word? Muscularness? Musculature. Musculature of one Aaron Donald. But I, I feel like, for some reason, I feel like Aaron Donald and his voice just went right up to my man Spriggs' table, took his bottle, started drinking out of it, and was like, deal with it. Like, that's right. what I like to imagine. But, Teddy, you and I have both seen this, and it's a weird thing. Some guys just want to fight football players. Yep. It happens in college. It happens in the NFL. Some guys get real, real testosterone-driven when they're around. NFL guys, it's weird. Like some guys just freak out and they're like, Hey, you want to fight? And you're like, no, what? what well, here's one of the things that, you know, a lot of time, I'm sure Aaron Donald and his, his group of guys that he was with were getting a lot of attention in the club. Okay. A lot of female attention there and everyone notices and wants to challenge that a little bit. So I would say where does, for me, He's got to be in the top one or two, but where does Aaron Donald rank on people that you would least likely to get punched in the face by? That, that is not, he is definitely high on the list. Like just because I'm familiar with how elite his hand usage is. And we all saw the fake knife video, right? That's, mm -hmm. I don't want those problems, man. He's up there. He's definitely up there. Like but I will dude, take, uh, Mr. I will Spriggs. take, I'll take my chances with every single guy in the NBA, except for which is the guy that has like the MMA background. Is it James Johnson? I don't remember his name, but I wouldn't want to mess with that guy. Like he's actually fought MMA fights, but yeah, Aaron Donald sees he's, he's up there on the list. Well, I, I saw the picture of the guy. And I saw a like, broken orbital bone and nose and all of the jaw, all that stuff. I was like, huh, wow, you got off lucky. He must have just uh, hit you with a glancing blow. You're alive. Be happy about that. <laughs> Be happy that you're alive, DeVincent. And a millionaire. <laughs> and, and congratulations on that big bag of cash you're going to get, bud. Okay, my loser of the week. Now, 
thought about going with Steph Curry because he had 53 points the other night. He passed Wilt Chamberlain and became the Warriors' all-time leading scorer. And no one really talked about it because, unfortunately, in that game, Jamal Murray tore his ACL with like 50 seconds left to go in the game. And it sucked. It's a huge bummer and takes the Nuggets off the list of realistic contenders. But also thought about going with Anthony Edwards from the Minnesota Timberwolves, who is quickly becoming one of my favorite athletes because he said he didn't know who A-Rod is. He was like, who's that? Even though A-Rod is part of the group that just bought the team he plays for, that that was unbelievable. And it was so funny. And I'm starting to really love Anthony Edwards. I'm just telling you right now. Hey, but, I love that. I love that. I know A-Rod is it, – It's that's got to hammer A-Rod's ego a little bit. Number one, you know, as is, is great of a baseball player that, that he was, he feels like everyone should know him. And then it also ages you quite a bit, doesn't it? It's like this kid is – you know, he's – what is he, 20, 21 years old or something like that? I think that? he's like 19 or 20. 19, yeah. yeah. So it's like, gosh, dang, man, I'm – I'm losing my grip on these kids. I'm I'm losing my clout pretty quickly. But the best part about it was there was this clip going around of Anthony Edwards doing an interview with a woman. And she's like, what else could you have done? Like professionally? He's like, Oh, I could have gone to the MLB. I could have gone. He's like, I play. He was like, I was a pitcher. I played shortstop. I played center field. Like I did everything. He's like, I could have gone to the league. (laughs) He doesn't know who a rod is. Like what? (laughs) What? I, I find that very hard to believe, but my loser of the week got some local flavor and my loser of the week is possibly the Oklahoma economy because Jenny Carlson had a article, an article in the Oklahoma that caught a lot of people's attention here in the state. And basically what it said was that the NCA board of governors put out a statement that said essentially the NCA won't hold their events in states where transgender participation in sports is limited. Not a lot of transgender talk on the podcast normally, Ted, but this seems awfully important for the state of Oklahoma because I was not, and I'm not afraid to admit, I was not aware that this legislation was getting pushed forward in Oklahoma. I I had no idea. But when I read the article, the Oklahoma House has advanced something called the Save Women's Sports Act, which would limit transgender participation in sports here in the state of Oklahoma. So as you connect the dots, if this thing ends up becoming a law here, that means the state could lose out on a whole lot of revenue from NCAA events that we host here in Oklahoma. So the state is supposed to host the men's gymnastics championship and men's and women's cross country championships next year. Uh, Those would be in jeopardy. The state is supposed to host all kinds of things in the near future, uh, regionals in golf, Uh, first and second round NCAA tournament games, uh, the tennis championships. 
And then Jenny Carlson points out that this would put the Women's College World Series in jeopardy. And people started freaking out because that is a huge revenue producer for the city of Oklahoma City. Ted, I'm not an economist or anything like numbers aren't my strength at this point in time. I haven't done math in a really long time, but if this ends up happening and those things go away, that does not seem like it would be good for the state of Oklahoma. No, it'd be bad. Um, I don't think the women's college world series is as big and maybe it is. I, I don't know, but the major league baseball all-star game being moved from Atlanta uh, was uh, estimated to have cost that community a hundred million dollars in economic activity and revenue coming into the, to the area. So these events are huge. Now, can I just say that I think everyone involved in this thing from all angles are the losers of the week? I think the NCAA um, going over the top of states and threatening them based on how people in that state vote and want their community managed, I think that that is total crap and something that the NCAA doesn't need to to get involved in. I hate that they do that. Um, I also think that it's crap. I think this legislation is a total farce and waste of time. What do we talk? We're talking like how how many people does it affect is my question, right? Zero. I mean, I know that there's a couple of cases where it happened in Connecticut in track and field and it's just, we're talking about, but that's the other thing about the NCAA. Like how is this really that massive of an issue for the NCAA that you would pull a, uh, a, an event from a state that's, you know, that has this legislation in, I mean, how many NCAA athletes is it affecting right now? What do, we've got to be talking about a, a handful at most. So I just, I think that it's a, it's a way too big of a focus on something that I quite frankly don't think is all that big of a deal one way or the other. I, you know, it's, we're talking about such a small percentage of anything that's happening here. I don't think it's worthy of legislation, wasting time on legislation. And I don't think it's worthy of the NCAA threatening states about how they vote in their representation and how they want their community run on whether or not they're going to bring events there. I think that's total crap and it shouldn't be done. It, It should not be done by the NCAA. And the other thing is, I don't want the NCAA lecturing anyone about what legislation they put in. It's proven that they're total hypocrites. All you have to do is look at the crap that just went down in the NCAA tournament where they provide the men with the big, beautiful weight room for everyone to work out in, and they give the women a set of dumbbells, okay? They're total hypocrites. That's why I don't listen to anything they say. Right, but it's going to be really interesting to see how this progresses across the country because you're seeing legislation like this pop up across the country, right? Yeah. Things that are, that are popping up about the transgender issue. I, I don't, what is it like you know, 30 States or something right yeah, now? Yeah. It's right? crazy. And it, it just feels like a, 
bunch of like political grandstanding. Like, I don't understand totally like, how many people does it really affect that? That's my thing. It's like, we don't even really have to get into like the human decency piece of this where that's, that's kind of a road that a lot of people want to go down. But I, I just want to know like how in the state of Oklahoma, right? How many kids that are going to public high schools is this affecting? Like how many transgender girls or women are participating in athletics in the state of Oklahoma? I don't know the answer. Like I would love to know the answer. I would love to be informed about it. It just seems like something like you said, Ted, like that the leadership here in the state should be worrying about other stuff. They should be worrying about fixing the school system in the infrastructure. Like they, yep. there, there's a lot of other things you can worry about in Oklahoma as opposed to this. And especially if it's going to cost the state a shit ton of money. Like I, I just don't get it. I don't understand. But, I don't, I just no, don't understand. I, I agree. I, I, you know where, you know where I fall on, on pretty much everything. And, and I think it's, I think it's a stupid waste of time. That's, I, that's how I feel about a lot of politics. Like a lot of stuff that people get really worked up. I'm seeing, I, I'm just over here. Like, eh, Seems like a waste uh, of time. It's a slippery slope. Well, I agree a lot of times that some things tend to be a slippery slope. I don't think this is going to be one of those. Right. Just knew we had to talk about it because I read that article and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. So hopefully that. Uh, Which I'll tell you. I'd be pissed. I love the women's uh, world. Series love it. And the contracts awesome. through 2035. So they've got the contract in place. So I don't know what the legalese is in that bad boy, but people would absolutely lose their shit. If the NCAA pulled the women's college world series out of Oklahoma city, they I would just say would like, it. I'd be like, no, we're still having it. Thanks. NCAA. Appreciate it. Appreciate we're still you. having it. Everyone just continue to come. ESPN will still televise it. Doesn't matter to them. We'll just, We'll move on without you, NCAA. Thanks. Appreciate you. All right. See you later. On that note, episode 103 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Monday morning. Dane Brugler, little NFL draft talk. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400, and you can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Till next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Uncle. Take care of each other. Just one.